0: Jeremiah chapter 6 this morning, we'll begin reading in verse 15. The Bible says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. I want you to consider the word blush this morning. What are you blushing over? When we look at Jeremiah, I think most of you here know the context. This was written thousands of years ago to Judah as they were becoming more and more uh, separate from God. Deeper in their idolatry uh, and more and more wicked in their daily behavior. And here comes Jeremiah, this man of God, who is going to lift up his voice like a trumpet and proclaim the truth. He wasn't loved for it. We know he spent a lot of time uh, in trouble, in jail. And uh, he suffered uh, for preaching the truth. But here we see chapter six and chapter eight. Uh, the word blush on the few times in all the Bible that word is used. And he said, "This is a people. This is a nation that doesn't know how to blush." And then he prophesies. Their doom, their fall. And he says, Babylon's going to come in. And we know all of that happened. Here came Nebuchadnezzar. They spent 70 years in captivity. And it was because of their hardness of their hearts, their re- refusal to repent, and their continuation in their sin. But here's what we see starting verse 13. Go back with me. God's going to list the sins here, four specific sins that they could not and would not. "...blush over." Verse 13, the Bible says, "...from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness." Sounds like America. There was no blush. Now, he said it wasn't just a problem of covetousness, but he said, "...from the least to the greatest, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, from the richest to the poor." From the workaholic to the thief, he said this is a nation identified by covetousness and they do not know how to plush over it. Now, I don't want to be a prophesier of doom, but we look at what is taking place in the United States of America. We're going to see a parallel here between the nation of Judah the United States of America. And as Jeremiah prophesied their doom, their fall, because of four specific sins, I think we have to look at the future of the United States of America and ask ourselves, are we headed down that same path? Now, he's referring to God's people. It's easy to look at the world this morning and say they're given over to covetousness, and there's no shame in their greed for gain. But we're not talking about the world. We're not talking about the lost. You expect that from lost. We're talking about God's people, and God's children. Now, I think everyone here would be in agreement that, as a whole, we are living better lives than any other generation in the history of mankind. Our houses are nicer. Have you ever stopped and walked through your house and said, "I think I live nicer than the kings of previous generations"? I have carpet. I have running water. I have a sewage system that works. I have a shower. I have carpet and wooden floors and all the niceties of life. I have a mattress. Those are, those are all the things that we just take for granted. But how many of you don't have to go back centuries? You just go back to your childhood and say, how many of you ever thought about that house you're living in and, and never thought in your youth you'd ever have anything? That nice. I mean everybody used to live in a thousand square feet and didn't think twice about it. And now twenty five hundred square feet is not enough room for the average family. Not because there are so many children, there are few children. Our biggest problem with our houses today can be identified in one word storage. <laughs> I mean, there's just not enough room to store everything. How many of you even know what you have in the storage? I bet I could dig through some of your closets and attics yeah. Yeah. and sheds and bring out things you haven't seen in years, you haven't seen it in so long that you forgot that you even owned that. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. right. oh, yeah. Yes sir. Oh, yeah. And if closets how I many remember your closet in your childhood, it was hard to play hide and go seek because there was only a couple square feet and now you have walk-in closets and things you can't even reach any longer. They're so high up, so far back, so forgotten, but it's all needed, right? Now, the, pro- the problem is not that. The problem is with all that, we are still convinced we need more. We don't have enough. I just don't know what I'm going to wear. I don't have an outfit for that event. The The cars are nicer. How, how many you remember the car you used to drive? Oh now, I'm not talking about your first car. All of us remember our first car. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about when you thought you had arrived 20 years ago. And now you would be caught dead in that vehicle. You, you know what? You know what life is about? Once again, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. You know, you look at cars that park. Vehicles are about status. That's below me. That's beneath me. I know it helped me save gas and save money. I just wouldn't want to be identified with that vehicle. Or that neighborhood. Or that house. Or that flooring. Or that furniture set. And I don't want to be identified with Walmart or Target. I don't want to be identified with J.C. Penney. That's, that's, that's the status that people reach, that they're no longer satisfied with food. and rain. Let's, We've got to read it. I know everyone's familiar with it, but just a reminder, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said, This nation is given over to covetousness, and they no longer blush. How many you remember a day when if it wasn't at least 60% off, you weren't going to make the purchase? If it wasn't below $20, you wouldn't even consider it. Now if it's below $20, no way. That, that's not dignified enough for my person. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness, let's say this together, with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having what? Two items. Food and raiment. Now, I guarantee you this, just by looking at the crowd, everybody here has both of those. So you have much good reason to be content. But they that will be rich, fond of temptation, and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. Pastor, I don't love money. Everyone here, I promise you, has to battle that, no matter how rich or how poor you are. We all love what money can get us, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. My church, go back with me to. Jeremiah 6, because we're talking about blushing, God said, is His children, we ought to be able to blush over our covetousness. Anybody here recently walked into a store, bought things you didn't need, with money you didn't have, and you pulled out a credit card, and then when you thought about the purchase you were about ready to make, you blushed. What am I doing? Do, do I really need this? Do I need a vehicle that I'm going to have to get a loan out for seven years? Already overvalued with 8% interest. Is this really a need or could I go a little bit cheaper and do it with a little bit less? Do I really need leather seats or will cloth probably function just as well? How me come to the realization if you have 5 kids and you dare to allow them to eat or drink in the vehicle maybe you need leather seats and a brain transplant yeah. But if you don't have children sure And if you're wise enough not to bring food into the vehicle cloth is probably going to be okay If you're not a plumber, if you don't carry screwdrivers in your back pocket, probably be okay. God is pointing his finger at his people. And here's what, pastors are avoiding these conversations. And Jeremiah goes and he proclaims the truth. And he says, we're blushing over the wrong things. And God says, we're supposed to blush over our covetousness. And even in Christianity, there's a level of comparison Over the dress, over the shoes, over the vehicles, over the neighborhood, over the square footage, over the standard of living, over the purse, over the brand name. And God said, you ought to come and blush over that. I remember in college, and I'm not that old, there was one person in the entire college that had a computer, a big box, a big ugly box. And we all laughed. And now everyone in this room has a computer that you carry in your person. A hundred times more powerful than that enormous box that Mr. Harvey had. We all laughed and said, you are such a quack. What what are you going to need? That is not the future. Mm -hmm. Little did we know, it wasn't the future. This little apparatus that you hold in your pocket, that you call a phone... You call it a phone. You rarely use it that way. As soon as the 13 or the 14 or the 18 or the. We don't have to stand in line anymore. We just go online. And make sure we're the first to have it mailed to us. Not that there's a need. That one still works. Does everything. Absolutely everything that we needed to do. But my status is lessened. If I'm two generations back, often I brought my phone to Pastor Mark and said, this is a problem. Yes, Pastor, because it's seven generations old and at some point they're not updating things for that phone. Good. God says covetousness ought to make us blush. It's in us. How many understand It's part of your DNA human nature and the more you feed it the bigger it grows the worse it gets and the battle only becomes greater and God says We blush over the wrong things and the right thing to start blushing over. How many understand that America is going to fall? You don't have to look at the levels of our national debt. You can look at the charts and yes, it blows our minds. The level of personal debt. What is owed on vehicles and houses and credit cards. And now it's not a credit card, but credit cards. People owe it Home Depot and Lowe's. Walmart and Target, JCPenney and Macy's. Not one car, but two cars. You, You ought to blush when your parent pulls out a wallet and there's five credit cards. You ought to blush for them. Look what it says. Number two. They couldn't blush over their covetousness. Last half of that verse says, From the prophet even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. He said they're not blushing over their lies, their deceit, their duplicity, their hypocrisy. If there was ever a generation in America, we forgot this was once a Christian nation. We are a post-Christian nation. And I know they're changing our textbooks and rewriting our history. But we were founded upon Bible principles until... 50 or 60 years ago, there was still an underlying morality in our nation, a basic goodness, biblical principles by which people lived, and lying was unacceptable. And now, lying is prevalent as it was in the time of Judah. He said even in God's house, lying is prevalent among God's people and God's leaders from the least to the greatest. There's a problem among the Sunday school teachers and the musicians and the kids in the Christian school and the Bible college students. And Jeremiah was saying there is a problem with lying and everyone lies and everyone knows it and no one blushes. Now we like to point our finger at the politicians. The only way to tell if a politician is lying is if their mouth is moving. They're so bold, so blatant... And no one cares anymore. It used to be a disqualifier. Whether that was for a job, a a, a position, a, a school director, a school teacher. It doesn't matter where you worked. If you were a liar, you were going to be cast out at some point. But no longer, now it's all justified. Well, you don't understand the context. It was a simple twisting of the truth. It's a matter of self-preservation. And everything is justified. Now this starts in the home and in the unsaved world. We understand that those children are being raised predominantly by liars. So they're going to recreate in their likeness who they are. But in the Christian realm. It has to be addressed early and often in the home where a child knows lying is unacceptable and it makes your daddy blush and it makes your mommy blush and it makes your heavenly father blush. It ought to make you blush. What you say needs to be honest. We don't live with duplicity. We're not going to raise hypocrites. What we are in private is who we are in public. We don't tell people that we plan to do something if we're not going to follow through. A good intention is not honesty unless it is fulfilled. there has to be some level that is created in the home of a mindset in the children that you blush when you're dishonest. You ought to be able to easily trap your children in a lie because there ought to be a blush. Their face ought to betray them. Their nervousness ought ought not to hide their guile, but reveal they are lying. And if you have a child that is hard to catch in a lie, you have created a problem because you've raised a liar. There ought to be a blush. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Uh, News agencies now can lie without any repercussion. Mm -hmm. There's not even any concern. I have kids in this school that that, that lie to me, literally. Bold face it. Look me in the eyes. Mm -hmm. With steel Mm backbone. No nervousness. Approvable blatant lie it it takes a lot of time to develop into that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and God says this nation is going to be destroyed. Speaking of Judah and I believe now, speaking of the United States, any nation that will not blush over covetousness will be destroyed. Any nation that will not blush over open, deceit and lies and hypocrisy and duplicity will be destroyed. Sure. Good and God's people ought to know when we look at each other that we're going to get the truth and when a lie is told there's an immediate revelation through a blush that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing that's a biblical thing when we develop such a hardness, a lack of shame uh, that we can be deceitful and never blush is that not disconcerting? Look what it says in verse 14, the next sin. They could not blush over. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. These are people that said, We'll seek peace at any cost, at all costs, no matter what the cost. This is America... We understand that now that uh, we, we had a, a president for a short period of time that said peace through strength, yeah. not peace through cowardice. Right. Yeah. But that was not the norm over the past 15 or 20 years in American history. Our leadership has said peace at any cost. Yeah. And when you make peace with the communists, you make peace with a socialist, when you make peace with a lie, yes. you're in trouble. Yes. But once again, it's not just our nation. It's not the world. But now it's, this has crept into the church and overwhelmed where there's no fight in the dog. There's no ability to stand. There's no backbone. Their confrontation is gone. In our homes, we watch our Christians, that lifelong Christians, children in this kind of environment, Christian schools, Bible colleges, but you have a parent without a backbone that will not confront that child in sin. I want peace in my home. There are marriages where a husband will not help that wife think biblically, correctly, in a godly manner. And when she gets emotional, there's no biblical leadership. It's just peace at any price. And I have found this out even in a good church like this. I can be great friends with just about everyone as long as their kids are 7th grade and under. But once again, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th grade, our relationship changes because they want peace with that child instead of a following of Bible principle. And when that child goes against Bible principle, I'll go against God's word to maintain peace with that child. There are churches trying to maintain peace with the world. There are pastors trying to maintain peace with friends that are compromisers and other pastors that have taken a different path. God, give us a backbone. And ladies, you ought to blush when your husband can't stand up and do right and hold on to Bible principle. You ought to blush because he can't blush. And children, you ought to blush. Young people, you ought to blush over a parent that doesn't have enough backbone to stand up and say, I choose principle over peace. And there are things based on God's word that will cause me to go to war. And sin will cause me to go to war. Compromise will cause me to go to war. You trying to bring that garbage into our home will cause me to go to war. And this was a nation that could not blush because they said peace at any price. And it cost them their freedom. Safety and peace. Here's what we saw during COVID. A revelation of a people that said, we'll choose safety and peace over freedom and church. And while men... Like MacArthur stood, independent Baptists in great fear, put on their masks and stayed out of church for peace and safety at any price. They should have blushed. Those that shut their doors closed their churches and vacated their premises for months, endless months. Should have blushed every day. They should have turned in their man card. They should have resigned as pastors. They should have said, if I can't blush over my desire for peace and safety at the cost of Bible principle, I have no business in the ministry. Look what it says in verse 15, another sin. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Neither, Nay, were they at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. The fourth sin is committing abominations. Now, Jeremiah lists those abominations. We don't have time this morning to mention all of them. I'll mention a couple of them. Sexual immorality was prevalent. And there was no shame. How many of you still wake up every day shocked in Austin, Texas to see a city given over to sexual abomination? What we could not, there was a day not long ago when we were fighting against the sin of homosexuality. That fight, that battle was lost a long time ago in this nation. And now it is widely accepted on every front. It doesn't matter what the position in our schools, in public office, and now even in pulpits of so-called churches across America, denominations are accepting blatant, open homosexuality in the leadership of that church. But we go way beyond that to gender confusion, mutilation of the body, who would have thought just a few years ago that they'd be promoting in our schools, among our children, against the best wishes or knowledge of the parents, the encouragement right. of gender transitioning? Yeah. Now there's such confusion, you cannot even figure out what that person was, is, or is trying to be. Yeah. And logic is illegal. Right. Yeah. Logic alone tells you that is madness. Absolute madness. They can't blush, but you ought to be able to blush. You say, I'm fearful of blushing. Usually, this process starts through sexual abuse in the childhood and leads to bitterness and confusion and hatred for life in God's Word. We have reached a point in our nation where our brains have been taken out of our heads and placed on the table because we have a culture and a society that says we'll blush at God's Word but not blush at any abomination. That is a nation that has not only lost its way but lost its future. God said this is a nation that will fall because you commit abomination when a male can enter a female's restroom and shower together with that person because they tell you they are transitioning. We as a nation have lost our minds. Here's what Jeremiah is calling out the pastors refuse to call out. Young people, if God made you a male. That was his plan. You ought to walk like a man. You ought to talk like a man. You ought to sit like a man. You ought to look like a man. And if God made you female, you ought to walk like a woman and talk like a woman and act like a woman. That's not abnormal. It has not been abnormal for 6,000 years, but suddenly this world has lost its mind and telling you everything abnormal is normal and everything normal is abnormal. You walk into a place like this where people just look and act exactly the way God created them. That is normal. And for someone to say otherwise ought to make them blush. And here's what this world has caused us to do. It's made the normal blush out of fear of being normal and biblical and principle. Sure. Right. And churches and Christians have lost their blush over that which God calls an abomination. Nudity. I literally... I, I cannot believe, you say it's 103 degrees, I don't care if it's 120 degrees, I cannot believe the nakedness in people, in all kinds of businesses, stores, shops on the street corner, they bathe with more on than they walk around town in. It is absolutely bizarre to see a world that has no blush. Now that's the world. We're talking to the Christian this morning. That ought to make you blush. Have there have been people, save people, that walked into church dressed immodestly enough to make their preacher blush. Mm-hmm. Their churches filled. So-called churches. Nothing more than clubs. But so-called churches this morning filled with people who have no shame over dressing immodestly. That ought to make them blush. Sex outside of marriage used to make normal people blush. Now kids in the average school blush if they haven't had sex outside of marriage. We are a wicked nation. That is doomed to fail. Pastor, where is America in prophecy? You cannot find America in prophecy. And I believe this chapter might be the key to that reason. Look what it says in verse 16. Now, church, we could talk about this morning endlessly, and I don't want to do it. The sins that caused the fall of Judah. Child sacrifice was one of those. Have you been shocked when you watch this celebration of political bodies? I'm talking about Senate, Chamber, in glee, gloating and celebrating, applauding, shouting, and cheering. This happened in New York, California, and other states when they passed bills allowing the murder of the unborn up until the day of birth. Yeah. Yeah. No blush. Look what it says in verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways. Pastor, how do we keep our blush? Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old pass. You know we keep our blush? We acquaint ourselves every day with the mind of Christ. Because we don't naturally have the mind of Christ. We have to wake up, get ourselves in this book, and reacquaint ourselves with the mind of Christ. Because our culture will tend to still change and deviate our mind from being the mind of Christ. Look what it says in Ezra chapter 9, verse 5. Ezra. We know this is after the captivity ended. Ezra is now back, helping with the rebuild of the temple. And look what it says, verse 5. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my heaviness, and having rent my garment, my mantle, I fell upon my knees, and I spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. Now this is Christian leadership. It ought to grieve us to see the condition of our nation, and yes, confess our national sins. Verse 6. And he said, Oh my God, I am what? I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. And our trespasses grown up under the heavens. When's the last time we cried out to God and grieved over our iniquity as a nation, as a family, as a people, as an individual? That only happens when you have the mind of God. So let me ask you this. What, just, just as we take the next few minutes to close... Ask yourself, what do I blush over? Do I blush over covetousness? Do I blush over deceitfulness? Do I blush over abominations being committed? Now, here's what happens there are things we've allowed into our lives that steal our blush. Technology has stolen our blush, TV has stolen our blush. This world and living daily in this world has stolen our blush. It is unbelievable what teenagers can talk about and never blush. What parents can say, reactions, anger, jealousy, bitterness, and there's no blush. It's amazing the duplicity of a parent that lives one way throughout the week, shows up to church, establishes a facade, and the child knows mom is a fake, dad is a fake. This is not who they are on Monday and Tuesday, and yet they never blush. The duplicity does not cause them to blush. The deceit doesn't cause them to blush. What they watched on TV, the music that they listened to, none of that causes them to blush. The words out of their mouth, their temper, don't blush. Young people, you ought to learn to blush. When we're talking about a blush. We're not talking about turning red in the face. We're talking about spiritual behavior that causes you to be grieved for God and his glory because of the sin that is being committed. And if that TV is turned on and the garbage that is being poured out is against God and everything that is righteous and holy, you ought to turn a different color and walk out of the room and say, I am grieved by what we have allowed in our home, what we've allowed in our conversation, what we've allowed at our table, what we've allowed in our behavior. And the only way for children to have a blush, here's what's sad. Their innocence is quickly destroyed. How many of you have seen a commercial lately and it caused you to blush? How many of you been in a public place where there was a TV on and you thought, how is this? How is this even on in mixed company? Any company. Children are present and no one will turn that thing off. I've made visits before. Where something was on the TV and I asked him, can I please turn that off? And there was not even a blush after I asked to turn the filth off. Young people, you shouldn't allow a, a friend to allow you to lose your blush. If that friend is saying or doing things that should make you blush, it goes against the nature and the holiness and the glory of God. You ought to walk away and say, I'm sorry, but I'm changing friends because I need those that are going to help me blush at that which is wrong. And parents, here's what I've seen. Good parents. Let me be very specific this morning. Good parents that had... Decent children. But at some point that child begin to make the wrong kind of decisions. participate in the wrong kind of behavior. And dad and mom, because it was their child, begin to defend that which should make them blush. Sure. Good sure. And now the behavior, when there's a meeting with pastor, there's no blush. It's defiance. Why are you picking on my child? Because they are living in blatant open sin that should make you blush. I don't want to lose my blush because I have a child that is defiantly living against God's word and dishonoring his great name. My child cannot pull me away from my blush. Now, go with me to 1 Peter 4:16. Keep your finger on Jeremiah 8 because we're going to read both. Jeremiah 8 and 1 Peter. Four verse 16. Here's what happened. When confronted if there's no shame there's no repentance. Parents when you're dealing with sin in the life of your child if there's no shame there's no repentance. Even adults, young people. Your parent can live in sin and there's no shame there's no repentance. Look what it says. Jeremiah verse 8 chapter 8 verse 5 Jeremiah 8 5 why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They what? Hold fast to their sin. They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man what? Repented. Why? There was no shame. If there's no shame, there'll be no repentance. I got to believe the things that I've had to deal with in the past 30 years of ministry. And when there's a bold, blatant, defiance in sin against God and when addressed there's no shame there's no way there can be repentance no man repented him of his wickedness saying what have I done what's the big deal so I was a man I want to be a woman what's the big deal why can't you accept this madness Everyone turned to his course as a horse rusheth into the battle. Verse twelve, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, what's the prophecy? They shall fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And they were. Now go with me to first Peter. There two sides to this message. What are you blushing over? We ought to blush over sin. But too often, Christians do not blush over sin. And If they don't blush over sin, I'll tell you what they will blush over. Look what it says, First Peter 4, verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let's read that together. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Young people, you should never be ashamed of being a Christian. And it's up from first. I'm not ashamed of the way I dress. I'm not naked. I'm covered. I'm not ashamed of this book. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. You know why most Christians don't blush over sin, but they would blush over passing out a track. Years ago, we were talking about being in Colorado. Years ago, we were with a large group of family members in Colorado. And my son, being just a child, very bold in the gospel, we asked him to pray over lunch. And he stood and prayed out loud. And one of the family members was absolutely out of their mind, about a 12-year-old. Praying out loud in a public place. Now, that family member is not in church, far from God, living right in the center of Satan's will. But they were livid and embarrassed and ashamed that someone would identify them with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, if you're ashamed to pray at a restaurant, if you're ashamed to pass out a track, if you're ashamed to be identified as different young ladies, if you're ashamed wearing a dress while the world's out there, wearing almost nothing, if you're ashamed because you have one earring in your ear and they have three in their nose, one in their eyebrow, two in their lips, and they avoided the rest of the metal when they fell in the tackle box simply because they reacted quickly, that ought to be shameful. We have allowed this world to permeate our thought process to a point, to a point where we can't deal with the Word of God anymore. Church, I am not ashamed of God's word. I am not ashamed of standing on truth. I am not ashamed of speaking against evil. And it's not changed because we live in 2023. It doesn't change because we're trying to reach the entire world. It doesn't change because you brought in a visitor. It doesn't change because God's word does not change. God said... They will fall. They will fall because there is no blush. Amen. And guess what? America yes. has already fallen. Yes. God's judgment is already falling. And we get to pay the consequence for generations now that say we'll be embarrassed at God, his great name, and his book and Bible principles instead of being ashamed at the wickedness of main guy